Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This is the Action Network Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. As you can already tell, this is going to be a different episode from what you normally hear on this channel. My name is Michael Leboff. I am one of the co-hosts of Line Change, our NHL betting podcast, which you can hear twice a week on Tuesday and Thursday mornings as my co-host, Nick Martin, out there in the plains of Western Canada, and I break down the biggest slates in the NHL every week, give out some futures, talk about teams we love, we hate. Ottawa Senators, the Arizona Coyotes, stuff like that. But for this episode, we're going to be talking about the Eastern Conference. This is part one of our two-part NHL mega betting preview. For part two, you'll be able to hear our Western Conference deep dive online change right after listening to this one. But we wanted to give the masses our best takes on the Eastern Conference, starting with a team that Nick and I both like from basically across the board in a futures perspective. So we'll start in the Metropolitan Division. We'll start with our favorite bet in the Metro. That's the Washington Capitals. And like I said, across the board, we like them. Uh, Whether you want to bet them to win the cup, win the division, go over the total. However you want to invest in this team, Nick and I are both bullish. Nick, you're a Capitals fan. Lay it on the line for the people. Yeah, so the Capitals, they're a team coming into this season that a lot of people think kind of aging past their prime. But one of the things that I think a lot of people don't realize is that the defensive core actually drove the team last year and was a big part of why they were good, especially in a season where they didn't get much out of Nicholas Backstrom, who's traditionally been one of their superstars. He really didn't contribute much. So they brought in Dylan Strom to help shore that up. Connor Brown's going to help take over for Tom Wilson, who's uh, who's injured and should be back in December. And I think those two additions are going to work out really well. There's a lot of areas where I think there's more upside than people realize. Like, I think when we consider that Nicholas Backstrom really wasn't able to give them much last year with his injury, and they really just fought to get by without him, that means that with Dylan Strom in, those, in that position, I'm pretty confident he's actually going to be better than Backstrom was last year. So that's an area where we, we could see a lot of growth. And then with that said, Connor Brown, I think he's going to fit in really well on the top line to start. And then when Tom Wilson comes back, that's just even more depth. So yeah, I think there's a lot of upside at, at all ends of the ice. And then the obvious area where they should be much better is they brought in Darcy Kempner, the Avalanche's goaltender from the cup run. And compared to what they saw last year, which was a pretty middling goaltending duo, I think that's that's obviously going to bring a, a big strength to the team. 
the Capitals won the Stanley Cup, what, five years ago now, have been bouncing the first round of the, every playoff since then. And I think that's why this narrative was settled on. Basically, once they lost to the Panthers, okay, this team's window shut. They're not going to be able to get over the hump again. They're too old. The core's too old. Oshie, Ovechkin, Backstrom's hurt. Wilson's hurt. Uh, John Carlson, he's he's on the wrong side of 30 now too. But what people didn't realize is that there is room for this team to improve in the offseason, and they did it. And it wasn't by bringing in Johnny Gaudreau or uh, you know Nazem Kadri. It was by just kind of restocking the, that middle six, and they did that. Uh, the Capitals are out there 40-1 to 1 to win the Stanley Cup. I think that's of all the bets of all 32 teams on the board, if I was to play one Stanley cup future, I think it would be Washington at 40 to one. Nick, you think that they have a, a decent chance to win the division. They're the fifth favorite, which is I'm an Islanders fan. I don't think the Capitals should be longer than the Islanders to win the Metro. I actually think the fact that the penguins are so much shorter than them. I mean, you look at around the market and the penguins are getting uh they're, they're over under set at 101 and a half around, uh, around the market and the, the, the capital sitting, you know, 94 and a half, 95 and a half, the penguins capitals to me, I think it's a coin flip. I actually think the capitals are a better team. Yeah, for sure. And you touched on it to an extent. So I think Carolina, they have, they're still going to be quite good, but they're, I don't see how they're this big of a favorite to take the division. And then same thing, as you said, with the penguins, I think they're arguably a little overrated. I think the Rangers, they're quite solid They'll I think they're going to be pretty good again, but yeah, to me, it seems they're way closer to, you can argue they're right with any of those teams. So at plus 750, I think they're a pretty strong play to win the division. And one thing we've consistently seen, this team, they always get off to really good starts in the regular season, which can be a big part of, obviously, blocking down a playoff spot and hanging around in that division race. And then, yeah, another area of upside, TJ Oshi, he's been so consistent for them. And he fought through a lot last year. And we as Definitely probably the worst season he's had in a Capitals jersey. So even though he is getting older, I think it's pretty realistic to think they get more out of him. So yeah, there's just a ton of areas where I think uh, the Capitals hold a lot of upside. Yeah, the most important thing is that everyone else seems to be out on the Capitals. That's when you as a better kind of get the signal of, all right, let me let me jump back in. Don't forget, this team has won or came in second in its respective division in 14 of the last 16 seasons. Uh, the fact that everyone's jumping off the ship is a little surprising to me. Uh, all right, let's now go to another future we like. This one is kind of the opposite. We both like to bet against the Philadelphia Flyers uh, in terms of season-long futures. They're 12-1 to 1 to finish with the worst record in the NHL at FanDuel. I think that's a great bet. Yeah, that's a tremendous bet. I think there's a... Uh... Not a lot that can go super well with this roster, I think. We've already got Sean Couturier entering the season late. He's their top center and a very important piece. And it's hard to see how they're going to match up with some of these top teams in the East very well without him. The defensive core is is looking pretty rough. I think uh, it's pretty well known, but there's a lot, of, a lot of guys that could struggle. Even Tony D'Angelo, I think he's going to look a lot worse playing for Philly than he did with Carolina last year which could be another big concern if he's uh, not going to bring it. And then Rasmus, there's still line and he's still going to play big minutes and he's just going to continue to get exposed. So even though the torts factor is going to bring, you know, some people thinking that they're going to hang around and maybe at the start, maybe they will. I just think the talent level is too far below the other teams in the East and they're really going to struggle. Yeah. In a weird way, the flyers kind of 
created their perception in the market themselves. Uh, at the end of the year, they were like, we're not going to rebuild. We're going to try to compete again. Uh, at the Around the trade deadline last last uh, spring, they were you know extending Rasmus Ristolainen rather than trying to trade him. Uh, and they, yeah, they kind of set this bar high and then they, they hire Tortorella, who is known as a coach who will get the most out of his team, no matter the talent level. Uh, but he, that only goes so far. And like we've talked about already with the Capitals, like the, the teams that Philadelphia will just be competing with in the Metro division, it's six deep. And then you look at the rest of the conference and the Atlantic division, you can make an argument it's six deep and that schedule will just tear this team apart and the the downside to having Tortorella is when a team quits on him he doesn't really hold back the team kind of doesn't hold back and and, and things could go south really quickly so I do if there's going to be an off-ice circus this season it will probably be uh in Philadelphia so you're getting them 12 to 1 uh to finish with the worst record win the wooden spoon uh as it's called overseas I think that's a, that's a great bet with Philadelphia but if you're going to bet this team like the unders fine they, they finished with 61 points last year you're, you're seeing over unders at 73 and a half they're not 13 points better like maybe the coaching change does win them six extra points but that's even asking a lot so i think any which way you can fade these guys on the season-long market is fine we touched on the carolina hurricanes let's go there next they're the favorites to win uh the metro at two to one uh, at FanDuel. carolina is overvalued but good i think that's the best way to to put them like the, they're gonna in all likelihood, make the playoffs going away. I think that it's fair to make them the favorites in the division, but there are some question marks here. And one of them is with the goaltending, like Freddie Anderson career year last year, then he got hurt. Uh, Antti Ranta, his backup, his deputy, he's not known for being able to stay uh, healthy for a season either. Either, And as deep as this team is up front and, and even on the back end, like if those two guys aren't up to snuff in a, in a division like this it's an issue and 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 their biggest problem last year was yes they generate so much volume and and they spent so much time forechecking and and uh, on the cycle and the offensive zone but they just have a tr- they have trouble burying their chances so what did they do in the offseason they traded for max patcheretti great great fit for them great fit for them pure goal scorer the type of guy who does finish his chances and then he tears his acl so it's basically the same forward group and with the defense group, you swap D'Angelo for Brent Burns, who I think both of those guys are are defensive liabilities with high upside offensively. And you ask, you can ask yourself, did we see their ceiling last year? And I think the answer is yes. If this team was 20 to one, maybe I'd be interested, but at 10 to one and, and as price is one of the favorites to win the Stanley cup, uh, I'm going to be passing on Carolina here and, and a team that I would look all season long to be fading uh, game to game. If this is how they're going to be priced. Yeah, I think you summarized it perfectly. I think they're likely to be quite a strong team, but a little overvalued in the market with uh, some question marks and what is still a pretty strong East and Metro division. So yeah, for me, not a lot of plays here. The uh, the bookmakers of FanDuel kind of view the Metro as a three, three horse race at the top. Uh, Pittsburgh's the second favorite at plus 280. Another team I think is way overvalued here. Maybe way overvalued is, is a little strong, but this is another team that, did they get better in the offseason? I don't know if they did. They they swap out who a very steady defenseman in John Marino. Like he's not flashy. He's not gonna be a guy who's gonna be the engine of a blue line. But they they swap him out for Ty Smith, who's got maybe more offensive upside and, and could kind of be the 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 number two offensive defenseman on this blue line behind 
uh, Chris Letang, but he was really bad last year for the Devils after a really strong rookie season. So he's a he's an unknown. Then they bring in Jeff Petrie, who's 34, 35, just making an older team older. Uh, five players, I think, on the blue line are over 30. Then you got the core of Malkin, Crosby, uh, and even Getzel, like getting up there in age. They're great players, but this team didn't get better. They were 25 to 1 to win the Stanley Cup entering last season. Their over-under was around 97, 98 and a half. I was against them last summer. And at bigger numbers, I'm going to be against them again. I think the Penguins are a sneaky bet to miss the playoffs around three to one. Because just and it's not just about the team makeup, right? Like Crosby, Malkin, Latang. How likely is it that these three are going to stay healthy for a full season? And I know that we saw them not do that last year. Mike Sullivan, he's a great, great coach, still got them to have a a, a stupendous uh regular season performance. But when you look around the division, like if they fall back, we're not going to see what we did last year, where the four playoff teams are basically set in Thanksgiving. Like there's going to be a competition for that, those third and fourth spots uh in the metro. So any kind of blip that the Penguins have will they'll have teams nipping at their heels. So I think I'm out on the Penguins once again. That didn't work out for me last year. Sidney Crosby, maybe he owns me. So maybe it won't work out again this year. But uh those are my thoughts on Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think you summarize it all pretty well. I think they're just a little overvalued there. Their top stars have kind of consistently had injury problems, whether you want to say that's bad luck or whatever. For me, they've been consistent enough that I don't want to get involved with a team priced in a competitive division that I think is, is yeah, pretty much just rolling back the same core, hoping that it holds up and that those guys don't, don't get any meaningful injuries. And uh, Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith, they're back as the goaltending tandem. Jari was good last year overall. Great first half, bad second half, and then he got hurt. The season before that, he was bad, and he was bad in the playoffs. And we know with goaltending, it's just so hard to, it's not linear, right? Just because he was good last year doesn't mean he's going to be good again this year. Uh, and of like all the kind of goalies who people just assume are, you know, a top 12 net minder, top 15 net minder in the league. He's one of the ones I would say has the lowest floor uh, and and the most potential to maybe sink a team because he just, he really struggled um, this the season prior to this. He's still young. And and then DeSmith as a, as a goalie, I think we kind of know him as, your run of the mill NHL backup, like he can have strong spurts. He'll have bad, uh, bad stretches as well. So the goaltending too is a question mark. So I think there's just enough uh, cracks in the armor here for a team that's being priced at as one of the Stanley Cup uh, favorites. When you look at a team that's under twenty to one, hundred and one and a half season point total, uh, that's that's a little little rich. Uh, then the third favorite in the division, the New York Rangers, plus three fifty. Uh, th- they'll be a little polarizing because there's arguments you can make that. Everything went right for the Rangers last year. They didn't really deal with any injury, huge injury issues. There was no injury cluster. There was no COVID issues. Uh, They were outplayed by the Penguins in round one of the playoffs, but they got to play six of the games against their third string goalie. Then they played Antti Ranta as the backup in round two. Um, And then they were, but they were good in in that hurricane series. But that was kind of the theme for the whole season with the Rangers is they weren't playing. The process wasn't, perfect and and the goaltending that they got the generational season they got from Igor Shesterkin kind of really papered over a lot of their five on five flaws they were in the red in terms of like expected goals uh season-long metrics they did get better but that was a lot to do with uh as the season went on they got better but that was a lot to do with the, the trade deadline acquisitions they made both of those guys uh Andrew Kopp and Tyler Mott are gone they replaced they Ryan Strom's gone. They replaced him with Vincent Trocek. So it's this team kind of moved laterally. And there's definitely an argument to be made that we saw their ceiling last year. Cause like I said, they got a 938 
save percentage from from Igor Shosturkin over the season. They got career years out of basically every top guy, um, and they were able to run to the conference finals with it. If a couple more things go wrong, that team could be out in round one, and the tone around them uh, changes a little bit. But then you can also make the argument that we could see breakout seasons from Lafreniere, from Kako. Uh, Keandre Miller looks like he's on the up and up as a defenseman. So you could make an argument that the Rangers are you know, worth a sprinkle in, in the futures market as well. So all that is to say, I think it's pretty fairly priced here, and, and I'll be sending them out. Yeah, I, I agree. They're, I think they're pretty fairly priced. I like some of the areas. I love Keandre Miller. He's one of my favorite guys to watch. I think he's going to be an absolute stud this year. Uh, the top top guys up front if some of them get hurt there might not be you know too many guys to step in and really carry the load I think Lafreniere is going to take step forward steps forward this year and be strong but yeah if they see you know some more injuries than they saw last year to guys like Zabinajad, Panarin and so on and then Chris Kreider probably doesn't score 50 goals so I think there's there's some areas where they could step back but overall pretty likely to be quite strong especially one area we've kind of commented on together is how many goalies do we know that are going to be a rock this season it's probably only a count above five, around five that we we know for sure superstars. And I think you have to consider Shesterkin one of them. So that's a pretty big pro for them this year and and should keep their floor pretty high. Yeah, uh I think I think you're right there. It's just it's Shesterkin is is the uh clear favorite to to win the Vesna. He's shorter than three to one, which uh if you want to hear us talk about. NHL award betting and and give out some of our favorite futures for the season. You can listen to those episodes on line change, which you can find uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Let's uh, wrap up the division with these three teams, the Islanders, Devils, and Blue Jackets. Uh, Last year, we saw Carolina, New York Rangers, Penguins, and Capitals get into the playoffs as the top four teams in the division. If one of those teams were to drop out, I think the Islanders and Devils will probably be the two that are competing for that spot. I think the Islanders have some upside from a betting perspective, which this team, I'd said the Rangers are pretty polarizing. I think the Islanders are probably the most polarizing team in the market because of everything that went wrong. Whereas nothing went wrong for the Rangers last year, basically everything went wrong for the Islanders, two COVID outbreaks, injury to number one defenseman, Ryan Pollock right away. He was out for you know six weeks, almost missed half the season. Uh, they just, and they, they started the season with a weird schedule because they had to start on, on the road for a month and a half. And by the time that the league shut down for COVID, they had played fewer games than everyone already. They had to make up all those games in, in the spring. They played this crazy condensed schedule. They looked better in the spring as well while playing that tough schedule. Uh, but they weren't good. Like they also weren't good last year. So the Islanders have enough going for them where you, you can find them as high as 55 to one to win the Stanley Cup. I would say if you do believe in the Islanders, you should just go big because the payoff is betting them to go over their point total, betting them to to win the division. Like they're probably not going to win the division. If they go over their point total, that means they're, they're good. Like what we saw last year was an outlier and they've already showed us that if they get into the playoffs, it's a really tough team to, to bounce out. So that'd be my piece of advice. I think 55 to one is a good number. Good enough. If, if you can find, um, find it out there because we know what the ceiling is and we know the goaltending is strong enough that they should at least, you know, rack up points that way. Yeah, this is, it's a weird team for me too. And I totally see your line of thinking because I actually think to miss playoffs can be had at plus 110. I think that's a reasonable play, but I also completely see what you're saying with where the upside is. And if they can get back to where they were, 
And they're a team that to start the season, I'm really going to want to be watching on a game by game basis. Odds wise, I think if we can see that uh, Lambert's kind of got them playing a certain way and the way they should look, I think they're a team that actually could be undervalued game by game to start the season. And that'll be a storyline I'm watching. But yeah, I think you touched on it perfectly there. Yeah, the goaltending uh, for the Rangers was was absolutely spectacular with Shesterkin. The Islanders, because Shesterkin got uh, so much love and won the Vezina going away, people didn't realize just how good Sorokin was until uh, the season preview uh, part, part of the calendar started. And I was like, wow, like the, he finished second in save percentage, third in goal saved above expected. Uh, and he's got a great backup in, in Simeon Varlamov. So that right there provides enough of a foundation where the upside should be good enough to keep them in the mix. And like I said, if they get in, uh, you're going to be wanting to hold a, you know, 55 to one on the Islanders at that, at that point, because they will be, they will be a tough out. Um, but like you said, I think that that's it. Like, it's a weird, it's a weird situation where you either want to go fully against them or just go or shoot for the stars with the Islanders, because it's, it's, they'll probably end up in the middle, which is once again, kind of weird to say about this, but uh, if they do end up above average and get into the playoffs, uh, the upside is there um, on this team. The Devils, they're 20 to 1 to win the division. I think everyone around the hockey world is kind of waiting for them to take the to, to next step. And, and when a team has that re- reputation, they tend to be overvalued, especially when they, they have the off seasons that they've had the past two seasons, bringing in Dougie Hamilton, then Andre Pilat, uh, bringing in John Marino in that trade I mentioned before. Uh, and they they got your boy Vitek Vanacek to to tandem with Mackenzie Blackwood, and right there is the problem for me. Like Blackwood was his trajectory; he's a perfect microcosm for goaltending. Whereas his his trajectory, people were putting him on the short list to be a Team Canada goalie if the Olympics were held last year, um, in last summer, and then he was was bad, and then got hurt, had issues with like vaccination status. So we just have no idea about uh, Mackenzie Blackwood, and then we have Vanacek who we kind of have a good idea of where he's going to play, right? He's going to be around 907, 908 goal, uh, save percentage. He'll provide you stable enough goaltending, but he won't, he won't rarely win games on his own. So that is enough for me to just sit back and and think that the market hype is too much on the devils. Uh, but like the Islanders in a way, if you are going to bet them, I would, you know, I, I could see going big on them as well, just because like if, if things do finally click, like the talent is there, the upside is there. Yeah, the Devils are a team that I think I'd probably be the least confident in saying like a group of points that I think they could finish in. I really don't know exactly where they're going to end up. If they were somewhere near the bottom, that wouldn't shock me. But if they really took step forwards, I think that's reasonable too. And I think that's where a lot of people kind of stand on this team. It's just, it's a little hard to predict how things are going to work out with this team for sure. Yeah, the, the, the Devils finished last season with 63 points and a lot went wrong for them too. Uh, their five on five numbers were were much better than their actual output was, but 63 points. They're over under sitting around 91 and a half. You're expecting almost a 30 point improvement. Uh, that's like that's a lot to ask. So like that's what I was saying. If you're going to bet them to go over, you just bet them. I would find a bigger price that that on the division, on on the Stanley Cup, something like that, conference, yeah. some, because you're already asking them to do a lot. Yeah. And one area like, so I'm fairly, I think there's a decent chance things work out okay there, but now they are entering this season with some actual expectations where I think the, you know, the ownership and the fans, if they come out and struggle, it's going to be a problem. So I think one area worth getting involved that I've seen to keep your eye out on Lindy Ruff is around 
plus 900 to uh, be the first coach fired this season. And I think that's a realistic narrative where if they come out and struggle, he's, I think he could be out pretty quick. Yeah, they, they did something over the offseason was a little weird by uh, Andrew Brunette, who wasn't re-signed by the Panthers after taking over as the interim coach uh, for Joel Quenville uh, and then guiding the Panthers to the President's Trophy, was a Jack Adams nominee. The Panthers moved on for Brunette. He comes to New Jersey. So it's already like they have the guy waiting, looking over rough shoulders. So that is a weird situation. Uh, Nico Heischer is, was injured during training camp. We don't know how long he's going to be out, but he's had trouble staying healthy. So that's not a good sign. And, and their strength is Jack Hughes is the number one center. He also has struggled to stay healthy at times. And then he sure is the number two. You have a great one-two punch uh, right at the top of the lineup. Guys complement each other really well because he sure is very good as a two-way center. And Hughes is a, is a great playmaker. Uh, and, and the supporting cast, I think, is is strong up front. But like it, like you said, it's you can you can throw any number at me, and I'd say yeah, it makes sense for the Devils. So uh, that's the bet into that volatility. I would say, uh, and either go big or 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 go like really low um, on on this team. Uh, the other team to talk about here, this is uh, they're a much bigger long shot than the Islanders and Devils, but people are expecting a, a maybe a minor step forward from the Blue Jackets based on what they did in the offseason, stole the headlines by signing Johnny Gaudreau. They're 50 to 1 to win the Metro Division. They're a, a long shot to, to do anything uh, of note, like win the conference or Stanley Cup. I think similar to the Devils, we're talking about a goaltending tandem where you you just don't really know what to expect out of either one of these guys uh, with Merzlik. Merzlikens and and Corpusalo. I think a lot of people who are in the weeds with goalie stats think Corpusalo is is overrated by the the media. I think that people in the media think that he's underrated by people who get in the the weeds with goalie stats. And then Merzlikens, like he's he's he can steal a game, but he can also struggle as well. Like he's he's a very volatile goalie. Uh, the Gaudreau addition came at a cost of Oliver Bjorkstrand, who had to be traded to not for nothing to Seattle. So. It's, as much of an improvement as he brings to a top six, like they also deleted a 28 goal score from last year, but him and Patrick Lyon, I should be great, but who's playing in between them. Boone Jenner as a number one center or Cole Sillinger uh, in his second season. That's probably asking too much. The blue jackets are a team that I think I expected to see more hype around because of the Gaudreau signing and, and it wasn't there. So I didn't really have a chance to fade them. I was hoping I was going to be able to, uh, but they, they look like an over team to me. Uh, right away like a team that i'll be betting not not season totals but like game game by game because it just i don't know i don't see where the you know two one games are coming for this team yeah for sure and i think one thing that has actually been fairly widely known is that columbus overshot the amount of games they should have won last year i think if you watched them consistently they had a stretch in the middle of the year where it was pretty ugly and they were just winning some close games they didn't deserve i think there was a pretty big stretch there where i was trying to fade them so it seems like that's actually pretty well known because with Johnny coming in, I'm still seeing a lot of takes that they're going to go under. And yeah, you touched on it. Bjorkstrand is such a great player. I love him. Like I think his overall impact on the game could arguably be, be better than Patrick Lyonnais, which seems crazy to think. But Lyonnais is just a pure peripheral shooter, whereas Bjorkstrand really drives the play. So yeah, I think they're going to be probably a team that I'll be looking to fade, honestly, even with some of the young guns. And to circle back, so I've always been very favorable on this Blue Jackets roster. I think for years, they were a little underrated. And some of the torts years, people said that he was squeezing a lot out of them. But I actually liked what they had there. But this is the first time in a while that I think I'm actually entering the season thinking this team could be worse than a lot of people expect. And I actually didn't love their 
offseason moves overall, obviously getting Goudreau is a massive win for uh, Columbus in a place where big free agents don't love to sign. But I think behind that, they committed a lot of dollars to some weaker D-men. And for me, it's just not trying to pick on a team that I've always loved. And I love Cole Sillinger and Ken Johnson. But yeah, I think they're a team that I'll be probably looking to fade quite a bit to start the season. So we're all in on, on Washington, all in on the Flyers to finish with the worst record in the NHL and the Metro, uh, pretty much fading the Penguins and then the the Blue Jackets a little bit. And then the other teams were, were kind of just going to wait and see. Uh, so let's move on to the Atlantic. The landscape in the Atlantic division changed drastically over the offseason, which is uh, it's not something we've we'd seen in a while for since that first year that the Leafs cracked uh, into the playoffs with with this Matthews Marner core. It started to become pretty evident who the the big dogs were. It's Tampa, Boston, uh, and Toronto, and then Florida charged up the, the standings the past couple seasons. But this year, we finally are seeing step forward from Ottawa and Detroit. Neither team has made the playoffs in a while. They were going through these four to six year rebuilds. They were actively trying to tank uh, and it should start to pay off a little bit here, but in different ways. Whereas let's start with the senators. Cause I think we'll, we'll group these two teams together, but I want to start with Ottawa. Cause I think uh, they are the team that is getting the, Oh, what's who's going to be the most interesting team. Who's the team you have your eye on the most to start the season uh, in the media, especially the Canadian media. Uh, they're going to say Ottawa. They'll, they'll say Toronto too because of just the nature of them. But everyone's talking about Ottawa. I thought we would be able to maybe sneak uh, bigger prices on Ottawa, but it was pretty clear even before they made the moves uh, for you know Claude Giroux, Alex DeBrinket, the market was kind of on to them and they shortened pretty quickly to a range that I wouldn't play as on a team level. We'll talk about a different way to play them, but as a, as, as a group, there is some fatal flaws here. The defense is thin. They can score. They probably can outscore some defensive problems. They should stick around the playoff mix longer than they have in the years past because of their dynamic offense. But the defense is thin. I like Anton Forsberg as a goalie. I think Cam Talbot's a suitable, you know, one B backup guy, but that's not a tandem that you're going to sleep at night thinking, feeling good. Like, all right, I got to bet on the senators and I feel in safe hands with Forsberg and Talbot. So, uh, this is the way of saying like, I think that the senators are going to end up better than they were last year, but not as they're not going to match the hype. Yeah, I completely agree. I think uh, matching the hype is going to be tough. I know we both have a couple plays on the senators we like, but yeah, some of the main areas like the team total over and to make playoffs, I think are, are fairly weak bets that might actually be somewhat common amongst the public right now with the perception of this team. So yeah, I, I think there are still just enough question marks that for me, I'm not overly sold on the, on them as a unit. Uh, and that being said, the way that we both like to invest in Ottawa in case that you know this thing just clicks and and they do take that leap forward is uh, Derek. Excuse me, is backing DJ Smith, uh, the head coach, to win the Jack Adams Award. You can find him fifty to one out there, uh, and it's just correlated to their playoff odds if they're. They're just north of 200 to plus 200 to win, uh, to make the playoffs. If they get into the postseason, DJ Smith, I, I don't, he, he will be the favorite to win coach of the year, barring something, you know, crazy from, from somewhere else. So if you do, if you are someone who's 
buying into the hype of Ottawa. And even if you're not, and you're just like, you know what, just in case the hype is real, it does kind of behoove you just to put that ticket in your pocket. Yeah, I completely agree. And then and the other one I'll put in, so you talked about how the defense is really thin. So Jake Sanderson's going to be a really important rookie for them coming in. He should garner a top top four minutes, could arguably be their second best defenseman. And if they're going to take a step forward, I think it's going to be behind what'll be a huge season from him. So I think at plus 2,500 to win rookie of the year, the Calder Trophy, you could do a lot worse than that. I think that's a pretty strong play as well. It's it's fun. This is why season previews, especially when you're looking at it from a betting lens, is so much fun because I think both of you and I are saying we're, we're against the Senators going into the season, but two of our favorite bets on the whole board are pro Senators bets because they're correlated with something else. And uh, it's just... God, I love for betting. sure. And like, that's the whole nature of handicapping, right? Yeah. Like we're not saying they're locked to miss. I just think there's less of the time that they're going to be super good than, than maybe some people think. Yep. And there's a way to hedge against it. And that's, you know, Sanderson called their trophy ticket or uh, DJ Smith to win the Jack Adams. The other coach that we really like in this market is Derek Lalonde. And like I said, we'll, we'll group the senators and Red Wings together. Cause I think that the narrative is, is very similar. They're in the same division. The odds are pretty similar. The Red Wings brought in, David Perron, they brought in Andrew Kopp, uh, Oli Mata, Ben Sherratt uh, uh, on the blue line to, to help solidify that core. They're building that blue line around Mo Sider. They're building their top six forwards around uh, Dylan Larkin, uh, Lucas Raymond, and Tyler Bertuzzi. And, and they just got better. Like Kopp and Perron are great supporting cast members. Kopp is very versatile. Perron, you can basically pencil him in for 25 goals and, and a net positive basically every time he steps on the ice. You know, the, the jury's out on on Sherratt, the jury's out on Olimata, but they do provide upgrades to what the Red Wings were rolling out there um, in terms of their defense last year. And then they signed Ville Husso as a goaltender who, and, and kind of like Tristan Jerry, like he had a bad, very bad year, and then he followed it up with a, a terrific one last season for the for the Blues. He comes over to, to tandem with Alex Adelkovich, who was the opposite. He had a great year with Carolina, was a Calder Trophy nominee. And then was bad on a, a Red Wings team that was just a defensive sieve. So how much can you read into it? I don't know. But that tandem has some upside. I think, uh, you know, pretty pretty high upside. So I would say I'm more bullish on Detroit's season-long outlook than I am on the Senators, which I think is against what the market's suggesting. But I think that has a lot to do with how the hype has been covered with with these two teams a little bit. The, the Red Wings have, have been, like, simmering while the, Red, the, the Senators are boiling. Um but once again, favorite bet on the board is Derek Lalonde. He's a rookie head coach. If he brings a team like the Red Wings back to the playoffs after missing for, I think, six years in a row, uh, he'll be the favorite to win the award. And they're around three to one to make it. So instead of betting the three to one on Detroit to make the playoffs, if you are interested in that, just take Lalonde uh, at a much, much bigger number to win coach of the year. Yeah, for sure. I, I totally agree. Love the Lalonde play. I think the downside of this defense could be worse than people are thinking because yeah those two veterans they brought in have been getting just worked over at five on five of late so i think that's a pretty big concern where when you really dive into it they might not upgrade the defense core very much and i think that's a big big concern but with that said the goaltending tandem has the upside of it's right up there with any of the teams in the east and then the offensive core i like a lot of what they're building it's a it's a it's really interesting top nine like even like the Dominic Kubalik signing like these these are NHL capable NHL players rather than lottery tickets that you see teams in in like rebuilding years do like like for example like the first one that comes to my mind is like Andreas 
Athanasiu, like, yeah, he might be a 25 goal scorer, but he's going to do that for you uh, on a veteran minimum contract and then walk uh, elsewhere. That's how rebuilding an NHL goes. Uh, let's stay here. This we, we've, we've been in agreement a lot here. Uh, and this one will be a little more just divisive. The Toronto Maple Leafs are depending on where you look, there's, they're the second favorite to win the Stanley cup. Uh, 10 to one at FanDuel with Carolina as the joint second favorite behind Colorado. I think that's pricing them at their ceiling uh, because of they're too, they're just too thin around the edges because of the way they've structured their roster. And and I think the goaltending, yeah, it might work out. Samsonov uh, has a great pedigree. We've seen Matt Murray have great seasons, but both of them are coming off back to back. And in Murray's case, back to back to back poor seasons. So, and he's got the injury issues, of course. Samsonov has the off-ice stuff. There's a number of ways this goes. And, and while I'll agree that this is still a really good team with two of the best players in the world uh, and then a, a, a supporting cast of you know three or four other players that are really strong, it's the floor that scares me of, of, of investing uh, a, you know, ten, a, a team that's going to be priced at 10 to 1 in the Stanley Cup. So I think an under is fine because if it, the division is going to be a lot tighter. Like I said, like last year, the playoff race was settled. Like there was no pressure on this team at all to collect points down the stretch. So they could kind of coast it into the playoffs. I think in, in you can basically subtract like eight points from every team that made the playoffs uh, in the, in the Atlantic in a weird way, because those will just naturally get distributed to B- Buffalo, Detroit and Ottawa who will step forward. Montreal should step forward. That puts Toronto at 107. That's right around where their 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 season point total is. So um I'm not saying that I like, you know, a bet to miss the playoffs, but I think if you're gonna bet them, if I was gonna bet them, it would be on the under. Yeah, I think this is we both know this is the one we're kind of the most divided on. And to your credit, like I think I'm probably the only respected analyst I've seen trying to defend this team over the summer. But I just think that their high-end guys put their their ceiling so so far above some of these guys. Like when I look at, I totally see why they're the second cup favorite or tied for it at a lot of books. Cause I just love what they have in Matthews, Marner and Nylander so much. And then I actually just like, I think the peripheral players are a lot better than people think like Rasmus Sandin's a guy that I love. I'm really high on him getting him signed now could be really good. He wants to sign there now for that ticket that he just did because he thinks he's going to go out and dominate, which is actually I think really reasonable. I really like the guy. So I just, I think there is enough upside that you can buy into. I I think they are a very warranted cup favorite. I know that's not a common take. And then the other thing, Matt Murray, I think had a better season last year. And this is what the Leafs are hanging their hat on. Then people thought he got left out to dry a lot behind what was a terrible senators team. And then same thing with Samsonov. I think he has a lot more upside when he's dialed in than people think. Uh, he's obviously had his off ice flaws, but the talent's there. He's a star when he's on. And even with the Capitals, they went 23, 12 and seven with him in the net. And that team, that Caps team fought through a lot last year. And I, like as a Caps fan, I'm not going to try to say they have the upside of the Leafs. So personally, like through all the hate and all the people who think they're kind of overvalued, I think they're going to come into the season and be really good. Like I'm willing to, to put that out there that I think, more often than not, this is just going to be a really good hockey team that ends up rightfully entering the playoffs as one of the cup favorites. There might be some struggles, and obviously with their media and the way that team gets covered, they are going to get blown out of proportion. 
but I just feel pretty confident that when we get to the postseason, they're going to be one of the teams entering with a realistic upside to win it all. The the Leafs kind of like the Rangers a little bit. They didn't really deal with much in terms of like COVID issues last year. Their main guys were healthy for for most of the season as well. I do wonder like how this team copes if if we see a, you know an injury cluster like we are right now uh, for them in the train in training camp because. Uh, I, I I like you know players like Nick Nicholas Albe Kubel and and Eric Chow, um excuse me Kel Youngcrook and uh, you know Alex Kerfoot those guys yeah they they're they're good middle six players but because of the way they're covered like everyone is the solution to the their the least problems Zach Aston Reese is a perfect fit for the fourth line or Nicholas Albe Kubel is is a great is going to be a fan favorite like that's how they're covered so I think that those guys often get you know blown out of proportion a little bit like if if Zach Aston Reese was on the Carolina Hurricanes would be like yeah this is you know suitable fourth line player but because he's on the Leafs on a PTO like he becomes you know some defensive wizard and he's a good defensive player but he's not really going to contribute much offensively um yeah I I mean I I think that the this is a team that like you said gonna be good but I just don't think that they should be priced the way they are um which is you know the second favorite until until that goaltending tan improves it to me that the main concern with Murray, of course, is his health more than anything. And they're going to be asking a lot of him, uh, you know, if he's if he's on that 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 contract and he, they they presume he's going to be the starter. I think you and I are kind of in agreement that Sam Sonov will likely play more uh, just with the way this NHL seasons go on. But uh, yeah, they'll they'll suck up a ton of airtime, uh, especially in the beginning of the season. The least will. Uh, let's talk about the team that bounced them in the first round last year. That's Tampa Bay Lightning. In a weird way, Tampa Bay is underrated this season. I don't know how that's happened. They've won two cups in a row. Then they made it to the Stanley Cup final last year and lost to a generational team in the Avalanche. Um, they're 12 to 1 to win the Stanley Cup. And I think people just have lightning fatigue a little bit. So they're not going to be, you know, the favorite. They had a couple of guys that needed to to leave town because of contract uh, or cal- salary salary cap issues in Andre Pilat and Ryan McDonald. Those are important players. They're not irreplaceable. And uh, the core is still there, right? You got Drayton Point should be healthy. Steven Stamkos, he might be the most underrated player in the league, which is crazy to say too. 106 points last year for Stamkos in a healthy season. Uh, Kucherov, Hedman, Sergachev, Chernak, and then of course the goaltender, uh, Andre Vasilevsky and, and the coach, John Cooper. Uh, the Lightning to me, if I was going to pick a team under you know, in the top five that I want to bet a Stanley cup future on, it would be Tampa Bay. Uh, I don't hate, I would never bet a favorite in an awards market, but I don't hate John Cooper at 10 to one to win coach of the year, because there's a narrative going around. He's never won it before. So if he gets this team, everyone's expecting them all. Like, is it over? Is the window shut? And then if he gets them to win the division or to get into the playoffs, everyone's going to, going to make him the coach of the year. If if we don't see a, a crazy, you know, surprise team, make the playoffs or whatever. So, uh, that that's how I would look at the lightning. I'll I'll sit back and wait because I you could see them pace themselves. You might be able to catch a higher number later on in the year. So, uh, Tampa Bay is a team that I still believe in, uh, but just I'm not betting on. Yeah, I think you hit it all perfectly there. They're still going to be really good, barring serious injury. I don't really see how they're not a, you know, safely coasting into the playoffs. Especially Vasilevsky. We talked about how many goalies do we know for sure are going to be a rock. He's going to be a rock. If he's moderately healthy, he's going to play good. I think we can pretty much lock that in. And that's a pretty short list for teams like that. And yeah, one thing we've seen it the last two seasons, they've had some pretty serious stretches middle of the year where they weren't playing very good hockey. 
I think that's pretty, pretty possible this year that they uh, kind of follow that road. Um, and one thing I think is worth commenting on in their division, I think Toronto would love to maybe win the division as much as possible because they hate that first round narrative. And getting a soft matchup compared to what they got last year when I thought they actually played excellent hockey being Tampa, I think is huge for them. So with, I really like Tampa, but they're a team that to win the division, I still don't think is a super strong bet, even considering that I think um, Florida are probably overvalued. Yeah, the Lightning are weird because this. I think this 12 to 1 number is just going to hang around all season because like you said, they're going to do that their normal thing, which is they'll, they'll pace themselves. We'll talk in February like, oh. Do we believe that the Lightning are actually, you know, are, are they done? Are they fatigued? Have they played so much hockey over the past few seasons? And then the week before the season ends, they, they'll snap it into gear and, and they'll look really good in the playoffs. Yeah, you can kind of just pump the brakes on investing in Tampa right now. But the, I think their team just have circled in the back of your mind uh, as the season goes on. Uh, one of the perennial favorites in this division is the Boston Bruins. But this season, the market's kind of soured on them and there's legitimate reasons for it to do that. Charlie McAvoy is hurt. Brad Marsh- Marshan's hurt. They probably won't be back until American Thanksgiving at the earliest. Matt Grizzlick is hurt. His timeline might be a little sooner than those two. Right away, that's your best winger, your best defenseman, and maybe your most important player in McAvoy and his partner, Matt Grizzlick. So the Bruins have drifted. They're like 25 to 1. They're the behind Florida, Toronto, and Tampa Bay uh, to win the division. This is usually a team that is either the favorite or, or a co-favorite in, in, in the Atlantic. A new coach, Jim Montgomery, uh, goaltending tandem now in its second full season with uh, Tuka Rask retired. David Krejci's back. Patrice Bergeron came back for another season. So they largely kept the band back together, but the band is really good. Uh, and when Marchand and McAvoy come back, like this could be an elite team. The question is whether they've fallen too far adrift by the time to- by that time that that happens. I don't think that's the case. I actually think the Bruins are a team I really like. Uh, you could probably, this is being a little risky because just in case they do storm out of the gates, but you could, I think you can wait, see if the Bruins start slow and then buy a really big number, uh, for relative to what this team usually is priced at like 35 to one on them to win the Stanley cup. If, if you're kind of seeing them, you know, just treading water, waiting for Marsh and McAvoy. And then when the cavalry returns, you could be paid off. So that's my favorite strategy with the Bruins is I believe in them. I think they're good. I think they're vastly underrated relative to the market. And you look at this division, but I, uh, I'm going to sit back. I'm going to wait. I like Swayman also as a Vezina outsider because of the, the way that the defense plays in front of him. I think I'm really high on him as a goalie. So a Swayman bet. And then other than that, just can kind of sit back and watch the Bruins. Uh, but I think you, you're pretty high on them as well. Yeah. I like the Bruins. I think waiting is the perfect strategy because We've seen, how, we've seen how it goes with these NHL odds. They're not going to update it too thoroughly. So I think Boston will need to really have a very strong stretch without those guys for us to really regret this strategy. But more likely, even if they tread water somewhat successfully, it's still going to be right around 25 to 1, I expect, by the time we're seeing Marchand and McAvoy get back in the lineup. So I think that's kind of the right way to look at it and just see how it goes for them at the start. Yeah, and I think if you... The Bruins are a team where if you're going to bet them, uh, you should just bet the upside. And, you know, I I, I really don't see too many reasons to, to go against them. I think that the upside is clear. And if they get into the postseason, they'll be they'll be a really tough out you know, with the way they played. And I, I like Montgomery as a coach. He, he had his personal demons he dealt with after the Dallas situation, but 
that stars team was really good defensively and he had them playing well. So uh, yeah, the Bruins, I uh, kind of like we talked about with the capitals a little bit, the fact that the market sentiment is so against them has provided you with a pretty good opportunity here. Now let's talk about the Panthers. Now you and I both think they're overvalued. Tell them why. So the main concern with Florida for me and for everyone that's pumping this narrative is the defense core, which is just, it's really shallow now for a team that's supposed to be one of the very best and a preseason cup favorite. They lost Mackenzie Weger, who was unreal for them last season. He was, is their number two defenseman and he was stellar on, on a team, which already defending was their clear flaw. And that loss I think just could be massive. And I think they're undervaluing that. And then they also lost Jonathan Huberto, but obviously that's going to be counteracted as they brought in Matthew Kachuk. So that's not really my point of, of contention with this team. And then the goaltending duo, I'm a little higher on Spencer Knight than some people uh, entering this season. And obviously I think they locked him up to that deal this summer with the plans of playing him a lot more and, and trying to keep the value down when he plays and, and possibly does well. But Sergei Borovsky, I think counting on him to do what he did last year is is a bit of a stretch. I think it's pretty realistic that he could take a step back from what we've seen. And I think, yeah, if, if the defense core takes a step back, Bobrovsky takes a step back, this team's probably not going to score like they did last season, you know, all 82 games in what was a historic output. So I think, yeah, there's some realistic flaws that could be exposed for sure. The Spencer Knight point is one I want to expand on. I think he's worth a flyer in the Vezina market. He's 175 to one as high as that out there. And that's an absurd number because that contract that he just signed, like you said, it does kind of tip their hand. Like this is our guy, even though Bob Rowski's on a $10 million a year deal. Um, and if the Panthers are good, I think both of us, the floor is much lower. So six to one to miss the playoffs is, is fine. But I mean, most likely they're a good team again. I think we both both can agree to that. Like the the talent is there. Uh, their their forward depth is good. The defense core could just be a disaster. Um, but if they are good again, they they come close to 100 points. That probably means that Spencer Knight has a great season, and he won't be 175 to one uh, as the season goes on. So I like Spencer Knight to uh, win the Vezina as my favorite Florida Panthers bet. And like I said, triple digits out there. I don't think anything above you know. 75 to one is great. So 175 to one is, uh, is really good. Uh, let's now move towards, uh, the two also rands. And I think that's actually a little harsh on them, uh, cause Buffalo and Montreal should be better this season. Uh, does that mean that they'll be knocking on the door for the playoffs? No, uh, we saw Montreal get much better as Martin St. Louis took over. I think it was just like a breath of fresh air. I don't think that team was gelling with Dominique Ducharme very well. Uh, and every everybody on that roster got better at, in in the second half. And part of that is probably just you couldn't play much worse than they did in the first half. But but they did look well. Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, like there's a young car emerging here. Number one overall pick uh, from last draft, Uri Slavkovsky, if he if he cracks the roster. Like there's, there's enough young pieces with upside here that I just think Montreal is going to surpass what they did last year which is a very low bar 55 points finished dead last uh minus 98 goal differential but i just think that this this is a team that's going to probably provide you more value than less value uh over an 82 game season on on a game-to-game betting basis yeah i think you're perfectly on it there i I probably mainly just going to hope they don't bust our our worst team futures that i'm pretty high on but uh i think that 
there's enough upside there. And yeah, I think the main thing, it's kind of obvious to say, but it seemed like when St. Louis took over, it was just as simple as the team wanting to come play hockey again. Whereas things got so ugly in the middle last year, just who wants to be there? Like just outside of being a professional, it was, they're miserable. And I think St. Louis came in and, and was a breath of fresh air. And a lot of guys started having some fun and hopefully that'll carry over into what is a pretty strong year, but obviously they're, they're still going to be bottom six or seven, I think maybe a little higher than odds makers are expecting. Yep. Yeah. I think that's, that's probably right. I think the they had 19 wins uh, or, or, 16 regulation wins, 22 wins last season, 22 out of 82. That's just really bad. They're that's not they're gonna clear that easily. And I think they're a team that in the beginning of the season, uh, while while everyone else is kind of sorting out uh whether it's like a new coach and, and new pieces and, and just getting their act together, they could be a little sneaky because they'll be a big, big prices right out of the gate. Uh they, and are. Then, they already are. The yeah. price versus Toronto on opening or second night of the year is as someone who loves Toronto. I already was thinking that game could very realistically be played a lot closer than that price suggests. So yeah, I think that is definitely a point to watch. The last team we'll talk about on this, our first part of our two part NHL betting mega preview are the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, And a reminder, you can listen to our Western conference preview on line change, our NHL betting podcast feed, where you'll hear Nick and I break down the 16 teams out West. The Sabres for I would say the last few seasons before the pandemic, they ca- they had this like weird kind of aura about them where almost like the senators this season, everyone was just expecting that this is the season, this is the season. And they, even though they were still long odds going into every year, they were overrated. Like they were a 50 to one team that was way overrated. Um, and this season, I feel like people have kind of learned their lesson with Buffalo. So they look, they look appropriately priced. But this is a team, much like the Ottawa Senators, Ottawa Senators the past two seasons uh, were the team that punched up best as a big underdog. Like they'd pay off uh, the most, like, you know, 175 or longer. Uh, The Sabres I have circled to kind of fill that role this season. Uh, This is a team that is all pulling in the right direction for the first time uh, going into a year. The Jack Eichel situation got sorted. They have a young core. They're building around the directions there. The goaltending is a concern. The, The depth is a concern. The defense is a concern. But with guys like Alex Tuck and, you know, Jeff Skinner, Tage Thompson, bringing along Dylan Cousins, Jack Quinn, JJ Paterka, Power, Darlene, like there's a team that when they show up and they play teams like Florida, Toronto, Tampa, like they're going to give them a game. So I think the Sabres, there's one other team we'll talk about in the Western Conference that will challenge them for this title. But I think the Sabres will probably be the team I have the most individual game by game bets on uh, as the season goes on. Yeah, I like the Sabres. I like a lot of the young pieces and and what they've got working for them. And and to touch on our bet on worst regular season record again, that we're there's a couple teams we're like in there. The odds makers are putting say like Buffalo with a realistic chance of being in that race. And the fact that I like what's going on with them is one of the reasons that I think the teams, the Flyers and the Hawks, that we do like to finish last in that race, have some good upside. The prices are longer on those two because of teams like the Sabres that are are priced to be in that mix, but I think they won't be with the young talents at hand and and all pulling in the right direction. I'm going to lose a lot of money on this team uh, as the season <laughs> goes on. Uh, and on that note, we'll end this episode of the Action Network podcast for Nick Martin. I'm Michael Lebuff. And a reminder to download and subscribe to Line Change if you are someone who likes to have a flutter on hockey. Uh, we'll be there every Tuesday and Thursday morning throughout the season. We also have a few season preview pods up there, favorite futures. 
favorite awards bets, and then you'll find our uh, Western Conference preview there. So until then, thank you for listening to the Action Network podcast presented to you by FanDuel.